Turn in your Bible to the book of Daniel. Uh, while you're turning, I want to say a big thank you to Josh who shared with us last week uh, from the life. We're in, a, we're in a series. It got interrupted by Harvey, uh, but a series, Heaven's Heroes, uh, Old Testament uh, 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 heroes of the faith and learning from them and applying and appropriating it in our life. And last week, uh, Josh, he, he was on target to share on the Sunday that hard, come on, you can go ahead and put it up here. He was on target to share on the Sunday. We, uh, did not have church the first Sunday. And so he had like three weeks of bottling it up. And so he shared with us last Sunday and looked at the life of David as a type of Christ. It was great insight and, and uh, helped us understand a lot more about the reality. How many of you know that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? And so there's types and shadows of Christ. And, and really, did you realize this, that all the way through Scripture, it's His story. It's not history. It's His story. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. Everyone say, it's all about Jesus. I'm telling you, it's all about Jesus. In fact, let me just say, I don't know where you stand on uh, some of the end times uh, theology and, and, and some people believe next Saturday we're going to heaven, that'd be fine with me. Uh, you know what? But if not, that's still fine with me. Okay? So, so just understand, uh, you, know, you know what Jesus said, just be ready and be watchful and be busy about the Father's business. How many of you know if Jesus is coming back next Saturday, uh, then we better be busy about the Father's business because there's a lot of people still on their way to a devil's hell. So we need to be busy about the Father's business and realize that, that from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's about Jesus and it's about the redemptive story, that God is a God of redemption and, and He has redeemed us. If you're thankful that God has redeemed you, say amen. Now i got to warn you this morning, it's been three or four weeks since I've preached, okay? So I'm a little all pent up myself. Uh, and you know what? I, I just may just uh, get all carried away and and uh, and and go a little longer than normal. I don't know. You just have mercy on me and pray for me. But I'm excited to share the word of the Lord with you. And so, are you in the book of Daniel? If you're in the book of Daniel, say I'm here, Pastor. We're going to talk about Daniel, and here's the subtitle: Advancing in the Face of Adversity. Advancing in the face. Of adversity. One thing I've learned about life, there is adversity. How many of you have never had any adverse circumstances in your life? Anybody here just say, Pastor, there's never been a problem. There's never been a heartache. There's never been trouble in my life. Uh, I've never had a problem. Uh, Hey, how many, how many can say in life, we always seem to face, be facing adversity? Am I, uh, okay. If you've faced it, let me just kind of get you going. I need all your participation here today. Uh, if you've faced adversity in your life, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, there we go. I thought so. And so we all face adversity. And when you read the book of Daniel, his life was a series of adverse circumstances. In fact, a little insight about Daniel, as you know, he, he was raised in Babylonian captivity. When we look at Daniel 1, as a young teenager, he was brought into the, the, the Babylonian culture to be a servant and a helper uh, in, in the king's court, so on and so forth. 
And you know the story that his prophetic anointing, his visions and dreams moved him to a place of prominence even in Babylonian captivity because he had a gifting of God on his life. It's a, it's a very interesting story. And I want you to read the book of Daniel. In fact, our suggested reading this week is the book of Daniel. Read through the book of Daniel. And all through his life, uh, they believe he probably lived anywhere from 85 to 90 years. All of it was in Babylonian captivity. And, and he served in Babylonian captivity, uh, five different Babylonian kings. And so he made the cut every time there was a leadership change because of the influence of his life. And so he, he in reality advanced in Babylonian captivity in the, in the Babylonian culture. He advanced and progressed in life and fulfilled God's purposes for his life. Now, when you think of Daniel, what, what's the one story most everybody remembers when you think about Daniel? What? Daniel in the lion's den. Oh my. Man, he got thrown into the lion's den because, if you remember the story, and you can turn to Daniel 6 if you like, <coughs> because he had been so uh, uh, blessed that the king thought of placing him over everything. Well, the other Babylonian governors and leaders didn't like that thought at all, and so they set him up. And the way they set him up is they got Nebuchadnezzar to make a decree that whoever uh, worshipped any other god other than the gods of Nebuchadnezzar for 30 days would be thrown into the... And so they set him up and they set, and really set Nebuchadnezzar up. And it says in verse 10 that when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards heaven, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. And we know that got him thrown into the lion's den. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar realized that he said, uh, oh my gosh, he, he told him in verse 16, he said, I know, Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And so here we find Daniel in his life facing adversity. How many of you know uh, the lion's den certainly reflects adversity in life? I don't know. I've never been there. Don't want to go there. But uh, hey, it represents the adverse circumstances that many of us find ourselves in throughout life. How did he accomplish that? How was he able to stand? How was he able to just obey God and not re, uh, 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 cave under the pressure of these adverse circumstances? Well, let me show you a word. Look in Daniel 6, 28. After the lion's den experience, look what it says about Daniel. After he came out of the lion's den, and then they threw all the other guys in the lion's den, by the way, who had set him up. Verse 28, so this Daniel prospered, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Everyone say, Daniel prospered. That word prospered means advanced. See, his adverse circumstances actually caused him to advance in the purpose and plan of God for his life. And how we react or respond in the midst of adversity determines whether we advance or retreat or are paralyzed. 
How many of you know being paralyzed is not good? How many of you know retreat is not good? God wants us to do what? He wants us to? Everybody say it out loud. He wants us to advance. How did he do it? How could he have throughout life under the reign of ungodliness and and Babylonian influence stand strong in his faith, stand strong and resist the Babylonian culture in his life and be able to fulfill God's purpose for his life? Well, that brings me to our memory verse for the day. Here's our memory verse, and this is from whence we, we shall uh, find uh, some insight about Daniel. Daniel 1132b, it says this, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's say it out loud together. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's say it again. The Come on, let's start over. Now, I, come on now. I need your help this morning. Let's say it like we mean it. Daniel eleven thirty two 32b, the people who know their God shall be. There's great insight with that verse right there. Because when you look at the life of Daniel, you knew he knew God. Throughout his life, he served God. And as a result, he stayed strong in the face of adversity. And how many of you know, standing in the, in, in the lion's den, uh, unscathed is a great exploit. In fact, it was such an exploit that, uh, that the king, after the fact, told everybody, you just need to worship Daniel's God. I'm telling you, this guy is something. And so how did he do it? Well, let me explain this to you about Daniel. Daniel's heart knowledge of God. Listen took charge or took authority over his head knowledge about his circumstances. What were the circumstances? The lion's den. He knew. In fact, look in verse 10 again. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel knew the consequences of what he was doing. He knew that if he that if he continued to worship his God after the decree had been written, that he was going to suffer the consequences of his decision. He knew the circumstances. He knew the consequences of staying faithful to God, but he knew something beyond what he knew about his circumstances. He knew in his heart that God was going to take care of him. He knew God. How many of you know when you know God, uh, it doesn't matter what you know here. It's what you know in here that counts. And what Daniel knew in here in his relationship with God took authority over what he knew in here or what he saw with these eyes. Are you with me? And so if we're going to advance in the face of adversity, we like Daniel have got to begin to develop such a relationship with God. What did it say about him here in Daniel 6? As was his custom since early days. You see, the custom and the lifestyle of relationship with God, praying and seeking God, has got to become our lifestyle. It can't be something we just do in a pinch. When things get tough, you know, people, you know, when things, when adversity comes, some people, oh, it presses them back to where they need to be, and that's good. But let me tell you, how you stay faithful through it all is how it'll keep you going through it all. It's not what you do when things get bad. It's what you do before things get bad that matters. Are you with me? Say amen. The people, say it again. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. 
And so David's, pardon me, Daniel's relationship with God is what empowered him and enabled him to stand in the face of adversity and even prosper in the face of adversity. Listen, I really believe God allows adversity to come our way to get us where he wants us to go, to do what he wants us to do. Think about the first century church. The first century church, the Holy Ghost had been fallen. They were having Pentecost every Sunday. Oh, I got a feeling everything gonna be all right. Wah, wah, wah. They're just having church. And they forgot about Acts 1, 8, 9. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So God in all his mercy and grace, because he loved the church so much, he allowed persecution to come. To press them into the four corners of the world. To fulfill God's purpose. You see, God uses adversity to get us where we would never go, to do things we would have never done, to accomplish things we would have never accomplished had adversity not come our way. Are you with me? Say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, is he talking to you this morning? I know he's talking to me. Tell somebody, is he talking to you this morning? I know he's talking to me. (laughs) Amen. Did y'all know Pastor Sam's little trick? When he needs a drink, he tells y'all to talk to each other. Let's practice it again. Turn around and tell your neighbor, good to see you this morning. Did you see how that worked right there? I slipped a drink in. And so this morning, we can learn from Daniel how to face the adversities in life. And not just face them, but advance in the midst of them. You need to get this in your head right this morning, in your heart. You need to get this down. Your relationship with God, what you know, not just about God, but how you know God needs to overwhelm what you know right here. You know, I look at John and Valerie. They lost everything. They had a flip house that flooded as well. Uh, they lost everything uh, pretty much, right? So what? It's just stuff. It's just stuff. You know, they face adversity. But I'm going to tell you something. They're going to look back and say, you know what? This adversity, if if we don't let it overwhelm us, it'll take us somewhere we would have never gone to do something we'd never done, to be able to experience God's purpose and plan to get us off, off, I'm just not talking about them, off our blessed assurance and get out into the middle of what God is doing in the world today. Amen. And so Daniel did that. Reminds me of the old hymn. When he's, I just, you know, I, I just kind of put myself in places. Daniel in the lion's den. They, this hymn wasn't written then, but I could just see him standing there saying, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Uh, I, whatever. I mean, he, he just stood there and, and, and the authority of God took authority over those lions. And so Daniel had lived a lifestyle. His relationship with God, listen carefully, his relationship with God established within him a divine determination to be strong and do exploits. You see, if you know God, you will be strong and carry out exciting and glorious exploits. 
If you don't know him, your adverse circumstances will overwhelm you. But he had a divine determination in his heart. Let me share with you five things I see about Daniel. I want you to write these down if you can. Five things about Daniel. that Because of his knowledge and relationship and his knowing of God, it allowed him to be strong and do exploits. And he was determined. And here's here's how it panned out in his life. Number one, he Daniel was determined not to be defiled. When you look in Daniel chapter 1, even as a young teenage boy, they started trying to uh, uh, fill his life even with the Babylonian delicacies. And they were they're trying to fatten him up. I don't know how he resisted this, but he did. And he said, you know what? I don't want to eat those things. I want to eat what is good and healthy. And, and I don't want to be defiled by this uh, this negative influence. Look in Daniel 1 verse 8. He says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He just said, I'm not going to be defiled, not, not only spiritually, but physically. He did not allow Babylon to defile him. How many of you know there's a lot of influences in this world that, that just come around us wanting to defile us? Are you with me? Say amen. And Daniel purposed in his heart that I'm not going to be defiled. And as a result of his commitment to, in the middle of, of a, of a ungodly culture, him to say, no, I'm purposing in my heart. I'm not going to let the influence of Babylon influence me. I'm going to stay true to my convictions and I'm not going to be defiled. He got favor, uh, with the Babylonian, uh, governors. He got favor. Verse nine says this. And now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. He got favor from Babylon and he also got favor from God because his, his determination not to be defiled. Look in verse 17. It says, as for these four young men, that is Daniel and who are the other three? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They got favor from God. God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. Just because they said we're not going to be defiled, the favor of God came on them. I'm not going to let the culture of this world influence my life. Number two, Daniel determined not to be distracted by the culture of the day. You know, if the devil can't defile you, he'll just distract you. He'll get you off board, of course, thinking of the wrong things and, and doing the wrong things and going in the wrong direction and distract you. If he can distract you, he'll he'll lead you to a place where he can defile you. And, and Daniel chose even through five kings, listen, five Babylonian, uh, uh, leaders. He, he stayed true to the purpose of God. Look in verse 21. Thus Daniel continued. Everyone say that. Thus Come on, everybody say it with me. Thus, Daniel continued. He did not get distracted by the culture of the day. He did not get distracted by the blessings that came upon him during the day because he prospered, he, he advanced, he was blessed in his coming in and his going out, and it, he did not allow it to distract him from the purpose of God for his life. If you go back to Daniel 6, I read it earlier. 
as was his custom. He prayed to God three times a day and gave thanks to God and offered petitions to God. And, and he stayed true through the purpose of God for his life. And he did not get distracted by the culture of the day. In fact, what does it say the king said about him there in Daniel 6? He said in verse 16, your God whom you serve continually. Everyone say, thus Daniel continued. Now put your name in there. Come on. Thus. Come on, everybody out loud, put your name in there. Thus Thus, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be defiled. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to, I'm going to stay true to the call of God. I'm going to know Him here. And, and, and my knowledge and knowing of Him, my relationship with Him is going to, going to uh, overwhelm and govern my circumstances that are adverse in my life. Daniel determined not to be defiled. He determined not to be distracted. And number three, equally as important, Daniel determined not to be defined. Interesting thing here. He, the, in fact, when you go to Daniel 1, you'll discover that Nebuchadnezzar, was, they, he was reprogramming these young Israelites, if you will. He was pro, programming them to the culture of the day. In fact, he changed their names because if you look at, at Daniel, and, and let me just say, who wrote Daniel? Daniel did. That was, that was not a, see, uh, that was not a trick question. Daniel wrote the book of Daniel and it says this, that they changed his name. Nebuchadnezzar changed his name. His name originally, Daniel, means this. It means God is my judge. His mom and daddy, that boy, they put the fear of God in him. I'm telling you, we're going to name you. We're going to keep you on the straight and narrow. We're going to name you. God is your judge. God's watching. He will judge the, the, the ways of your life. And so he lived with that in the early teen years. But when he found himself in Babylonian captivity, uh, Nebuchadnezzar changed his name uh, to Belteshazzar. Everyone say Belteshazzar. Come on, everybody say Belteshazzar. And it means Baal or Baal, which is a false god, protects his life. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change his identity. Give him a new name and say, and just kind of wash out of his system that God is his judge and then bring him to a place where he began to believe that, that his new name was who he was, that Bell protected his life. And so they changed his name. And everywhere he went, there comes Belteshazzar. There comes Bell. There comes Bell protects his life. Hey, Bell protects his life. Bell protects his life. Bell protects his life. But when you look to the book, and when you read Dan Daniel wrote Daniel in two or three places, uh, uh, let's see, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 4, he says this about himself. And Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Now follow me. <coughs> He wrote it. He said, and Daniel, who they call Belteshazzar. In other words, you can call me that all you want, but that's not who I am. I said, you can call me that all you want, but that's not who I am. And Daniel resisted the, the Babylonian culture redefining who he was. He said, you know what? My name is God is my judge. And he resisted. He did not let, he, 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 he determined 
not to be defined by the Babylonian ungodly culture of his day. In fact, if you go over to Daniel 4, look over in Daniel 4. In Daniel 4, uh, after he's uh, 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 saved in the fiery trial, Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. Okay? And man, he knows who to go to now. He's going to Daniel. Daniel hit the nail on the head. He was right on target. And, and look what it says here in Daniel, oh, chapter four, verse eight and nine. Look what Nebuchadnezzar says about Daniel, whose name he had changed to Belteshazzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar tried to redefine who he was. Look what he says. But at last, Daniel, but at last, Daniel came before me. Nebuchadnezzar called him Daniel. And then it says, his name is Belteshazzar according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. Do you see what happened right there? Nebuchadnezzar finally realized, hey, I can call him Belteshazzar all I want, but he's really Daniel. And the spirit of God rests upon him. You see, this world we live in is trying to redefine who we are. We've got to resist the influences of the world that's trying to tell us who we are. And we've got to understand, you know, the, the world might tell us we're this. The world might tell us we're that, uh, you know, and we might tend to believe them a little. You'll never be good for nothing. You'll never be this. Listen, we can't let the world define us. We've got to realize that we are his kids. We're the king's kids. And greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. You can call me whatever you want, but I am a child of the most high God. In fact, what did Paul tell the Romans in Romans 12? He said this, Romans 12, 1 and 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God for your life. You see, this world is trying to redefine us and tell us who we are. And listen, if you look around today, the secular culture of our day is trying to redefine us and tell the world uh, who we are. Listen, uh, we, we can't listen to that. We got to say, hey, hey, I, I belong to him. I'm his child. Are you with me? If we're going to stand in the face of adversity and, and even advance in the face of adversity, listen, that's what we're talking about here today. We've got to, we got to determine by, because of our relationship with God, not to be defiled and not to be distracted and not to be defined by the world. And then number four, Daniel determined not to be destroyed. How many of you know we live in a destructive culture today? that is led by the destroyer. What did Jesus say about the devil? The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And very quick in Daniel's life, the destroyer came and the influence of destruction came. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. It says concerning it, For this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave the command. This is because the, 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 the magicians couldn't interpret his dream. He gave the command. He was angry and furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. I just think about the wise men. Just think about that. The wise men. I'd be walking around going, I wouldn't be wearing my wise men badge. 
But Daniel faced that, and he looked at that. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let this thing get me. And he said, I want I want an audience with the king. And he went right into the... He faced his fear, if you will. And if you look in verse 14, it says, Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch and the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and asked the king to give him some time that he might tell the king the interpretation. He said, Just give me a little time here. Don't overreact to this. And he and Daniel and his friends, they got together and it says that they sought God. They were seeking after God. Look in verse, oh, where is it? Then Daniel went to his house, verse 17. And he made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So, hey, he faced his fear. He said, I'm not going to be, I'm, I, I refuse to let this thing get me. I'm, I refuse to let this decree, hey, just because it's decreed does not make it so. If the devil comes to you and says, I'm going to destroy you, you have a choice to believe that or not. And believe you me, the devil wants to destroy us all. We can either cooperate or we can stand fast in the in the faith of God and say, you know what? I will not allow this thing to destroy me. I'm not going to allow a hurricane. I'm not going to allow financial adversity. I'm not going to allow the pressures of this life, the Babylonian culture, destroy me. I'm going to stand firm in the faith. And I, hey, that the thing that came to destroy me, I'll turn it up back on its own head. Amen. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm going to overcome this thing according to First John chapter 5, I believe. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Daniel determined not to be destroyed. He determined not to be defined. He determined not to be distracted. He determined not to be defiled. But he sought the mercies of God. I love this. He sought counsel with his friends, and they sought mercy from God. Amen. I love it. And God spoke to him the vision. And, and in the end, as I showed you earlier, in the end of that one particular scenario, verse 48, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. He advanced in the face of adversity. And then number five, Daniel determined not to be diluted. How many of you like, how many of you like, let's, let me think of something. How many of you like milk? I love cold milk. I chug a lug it, just chug a lug, chug a lug. Makes a feel, feel good. Oh, that's the wrong song. Anybody remember Roger Miller? All right. Makes you want to go hidey ho. <laughs> Some of you older crowd don't know that song. Uh, but I love cold milk. Ooh, Jesus. But if you cut it and if you took it and poured about half of it out and put the rest in water, I mean, you know, that's just diluted. Ugh. That's what the enemy, if he, listen, if he can't defile you, if he can't distract you, if he can't define you, 
and re redefine your life. If he can't destroy you, he'll set you up on the long haul to dilute your impact and influence in the earth, to make you ineffective. And before, without realizing it, you'll look back and go, man, what happened in my life? Now, here's the scoop with Daniel. He began in Daniel 1 with a strong prophetic unction and anointing of God on his life. God began to anoint him and he could see visions and dreams. In fact, if you want to know about the end of days, you read about Daniel. Daniel had some interesting uh, end-of-day scenario. In fact, uh, man, he just saw things he didn't understand about. He was a visionary in the end times, a visionary. And here's what I want you to see about Daniel. In his 80 to 90 years of life under Babylonian captivity, the gift, listen to me, the gifting of God just got more profound. The anointing of God just got stronger in his life. And not only was he interpreting personal dreams for the king, he was seeing visions about the end of days. Let me tell you something about the gift of God on your life. God doesn't want it to fade away. He wants it to burn brighter and brighter in the face of adversity. If there was ever a time, listen to me, if there was ever a time for the gift of God to rise up with us and get stronger, it's the end of days, it's this hour, it's in the time of adversity that we need the Spirit of God moving through our lives brighter and more powerful and more impacting than ever before. And Daniel, throughout his life, he stayed strong in the faith and the giftings of God. Stayed strong and he did exploits because he knew his God. One of the more famous, if you will, uh, passages of scripture, if you go over to Daniel, I'm not sure how old he was at this point. Go over to Daniel 10. He was in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. That would, if you took a little time, you could figure out how old he was there. And here it is again. A message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. Look what he says. In those days, I, Daniel... Here's interesting. It's like he's in... Is it third party, third person, and then he goes back to first person. He said, in the third year of King Cyrus, a message was revealed to Daniel. He's, is that third person when he's writing that? Uh, and then in verse 2, and in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, nor meat or wine. You've heard of the Daniel fast, right? No pleasant wine, nor did I, I, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of, I can't say that, euphos. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. 
No strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face. We call that in Pentecostal days, slain in the spirit, with my face to the ground. And suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. Now catch this. We're talking about him not being diluted through the years. He's been fasting and praying, and the angel of God comes to him. Some think possibly Christ himself, but I think it's Michael. He comes and he says to him, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Daniel's gift just got more and more powerful and impacting throughout his life. Listen, let me just say for us with a little gray on our head, let's don't think about retirement. Let's think about refirement. Let's get fire, let's, let's not fade away. Let's, let's go out in a blaze of glory, if you will. Let's stay strong. Let's don't let the culture of the day dilute the call of God on our life. I love what the, even the culture, the Babylonian culture throughout his life, they recognized that the Spirit of God was on him and that the anointing of God was on him. Listen, I, I love Daniel 5 verse 14. Uh, here's what the king said this about him. He said, I've heard about you that the Spirit of God is in you. I, oh, man, I would love that. To, I would love when I meet uh, uh, the Babylonian culture of our day that they would say, oh, I've heard about you. You're the man that's got the Holy Ghost on him. I've heard about you. Everybody, huh, come on now. Somebody say, I've heard about you. Look at somebody and say, I've heard about you. Come on. Hey, everybody look at me. Say, I've heard about you. Now, that's what the culture of the day, the Babylonian culture said about him. And listen, if we'll refuse to be diluted and, di- and, and distracted and defined and, and, and defiled uh, and destroyed, the world will look at us and say, I, I've heard about you. You got the Holy Ghost on you. Whoo. It's because he, did, he refused to be diluted and watered down. In heaven, listen. This is what heaven said about him. O Daniel, greatly beloved. Whew, may that be said about of us. When heaven meets, when we meet heaven, the heaven's going, man, heaven's been in love with you for a long time. We face adversities in life. And what we do with those adversities determines whether we advance or retreat or get paralyzed. And Daniel, because of his relationship with God, he was able to live it out and he said it, the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Everyone say with me, the people who know their God We'll be strong 
and do exploits. That's the choice we have today. With that in mind today, I want to give you a rather lengthy, but I think very important life lesson for the day. Today's life lesson. Let's look at it. The life lesson for the day. It's kind of long. I want you to read it with me. This, this is, this, this is a synopsis of what I've just shared with you. Here we go out loud. Our environment should never undermine our involvement in the purposes of God for our lives. We must determine to know God intimately, do His will, and fer- oh, it should be saying, do His will fervently, and advance through life faithfully with the strength and the determination that knowing God supplies. Let me read it for you. Our environment should never undermine our involvement in the purposes of God for our lives. We must determine to know God intimately, do His will fervently, and advance through life faithfully with the strength and determination that knowing God supplies. Let's say it together, and can, can you ditch the and between will and fervently? I can. Let's do it together. Our environment should never undermine our involvement in the purposes of God for our lives. We must determine to know God intimately, do His will fervently, and advance through life faithfully with the strength and determination that knowing God supplies. The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Let's stand together today. Some of, some of us are facing different form, forms of adversity. You see, you may be here today and your house did not flood. And for some of us whose houses didn't flood, I know for you that did, this is not much solace to you, but we have, we have guilt. What is survivor's guilt a little bit? Seriously. It's true. And how many of you would, you'd probably, you'd probably trade, I'd trade me my survivor's guilt for your loss of everything. I'm sure you would, but it, it's, it's been hard on us to see our brothers and sisters suffer, but all of us go through adversity, and some of us are going through different kinds of adversity, family, friends, problems. How we face them determines whether we advance through them or paralyzed in the midst of them or retreat away from them. Let's bow our heads before God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm facing some adversity in life. This message today was just for me. And I felt the influence of the Babylonian culture trying to defile me, distract me, define me, destroy me, and dilute the call of God upon my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, Adversity is assailing my soul. You may be here today and it may all be internal, but you feel the adversity of the enemy breathing down your neck. The adversity of the circumstances breathing down your neck. And you can say, Pastor, I want to advance through it, but I need strength from God. I need to know Him better. 
If that's you this morning, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. The adversity is pressuring my life. Lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Father, today you see these hands. Lord, we just pray today that, Lord, their relationship with God and all of our relationship with God would take authority over the realization of our circumstances. That our knowing of God and our knowledge and our relationship with God would take authority of what we see with our eyes in the circumstances of our day. And Lord, I pray over each one today, whether they lifted their hand or not, that Lord, they would begin to know you better and they would begin, as Daniel did, seek you early and seek you during the day and, and build a habitual culture of relationship with God that would carry them through life and advance them through these circumstances. I thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen.